0: Forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for being here. I have the creators of Hacks, my favorite show of last year, so I'm thrilled to talk to you all. Uh, I'm going to go around and ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphone. So the listener knows what you sound like and tell us someplace we may have seen your name on our television screen in the past. And Jen, let's start with you, please.
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Jen Statsky. Um, You've seen my name on Hacks, of course, Uh, and then before that, The Good Place and Parks and Recreation and
2: Broad City.
0: Great. Thanks. And Lucia and Paul, do you want to introduce yourselves, each other, together, however you want to okay. do it? Paul
2: is super cute. Brown hair. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucia and Yellow, I, um, before Hacks, worked on Broad City, um, as well as Babysitter's Club, um, Nora's Aquafina from Queens, and, you know, other stuff. Other two. There you go. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And I'm Paul W. Downs, and uh, I also wrote on Broad City and the other two, and also wrote Rough Night.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Let's. Um, we're going to talk a lot about hacks. Um, we may get into some of the other stuff, but um, I was telling these folks earlier, like, I rewatched the show in anticipation of chatting with you. It is as much fun to rewatch as it is to watch the first time. There's so much to talk about. The thing I haven't heard you all talk about is how the show got sold. Um... I know that you sort of had the idea kicking around for a few years, um, but tell me about the pitching and selling process. Did you write the script? How did it come together?
2: We hadn't written the pilot when we pitched it. We had an idea for the pilot. Is that, that's right, right, guys? Uh,
1: we hadn't written the pilot when we pitched
2: it, yeah. but we hadn't we yeah, had yeah. broken out the pilot as yes. part of the pitch. And, Yeah. As well as the whole season, as well as the whole series where the series goes. So we basically came into the pitch knowing yeah, how the season ended, which is exactly what, how it ended up being on TV, the whole funeral and all that stuff was in the pitch. Um, and yeah, like I said, where the series goes in terms of the seasons and also the end of the last season we pitched as well. Um, but yeah, we, like you said, we'd been thinking about the show for such a long time that it was really, you know, less of like, here's the strategy to how to sell this thing and more just like, here's the accumulation of all the thoughts we've had for six years about this project, which it tends to be a lot. So um, yeah, it was, we went and pitched it, I guess, I don't know, spring 2019, I'm going to guess. Is that right, guys? Summer, spring, uh, summer? Yeah, it was
1: April and May of 2019. And there was a,
3: a large portion of the pitch. And one of the things that I think we, kind of spent the most time developing was Deborah Vance, the you know, Jean Smart's character, um, her backstory. So we did a lot, of, a lot of work kind of putting together who this woman was and where she came from and how she became the person that she is today, um, which was something that in the series we really wanted to excavate and peel back through the lens of this younger writer, Ava Daniels, played by the brilliant Hannah Einbinder.
0: Um, that's really interesting to hear, uh, because I feel like when you pitch something, the people you're pitching to are often so interested in that backstory. Um, and it's something that plays out in the series in a very natural way. So like, let's get into, let's get into the weeds here and talk about that pitch. I know it was a couple of years ago now, but like, how do you start to present that information? How do the three of you pitch together?
2: We each take a paragraph and read it.
3: <laughs> yeah, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much.
2: We still to this day when we're pitching because you know we pitch like for example we just pitch season two, what's happening, and we just all yeah we write the whole thing out and then we take turns. I I more read. I think Paul does. Paul, Paul's usually off book. Jen Jen maybe reads a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, Paul. I don't know. Paul's, yeah, we... Paul's a performer, so he can be off book like that. <laughs> Me, I gotta. Me, I want no eye contact. So I'm just staring. I'm staring at the words the whole time.
3: But yeah, I mean, we do have, we do have a, it's all scripted and it's scripted in a way that, you know, not only conveys the information, but every once in a while, if Jen or Lucia are pitching a portion of the story and I interject with a line of dialogue or a character joke or something like that, we try and make it, you know, like hopefully the show is entertaining in some way.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll break off and do full like uh, almost like a scene kind of sometimes in the middle of the pitch mm-hmm. or like part of the scene. We just did that the other day. Very um, simple for me to um, do, and it's it fun with Jimmy. <laughs> because yeah, um, especially the Jimmy stuff. We also get so excited about telling certain parts of it that um, sometimes it's easier to do it in like dialogue format because we are just like, oh my god, this is what they're going to say because we have we oftentimes do just pitch jokes as we're writing.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that like. We we I think we more even than other people, maybe like have a lot of dialogue in our pitches and in uh, and as we're breaking something, even our outlines have a ton of dialogue. Um, and I don't know that that's like as common uh, in other places. I mean, I think it it in a way it should be because it makes the scene just feel more dynamic and sometimes like when you're just describing a scene and like someone maybe isn't getting it as much as when there's like a really great line of dialogue that kind of crystallizes what the game of that scene is.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. Does, did that stuff, (laughs) it's fun to watch for sure. Um, Does, does that stuff tend to carry over into the scripts? Have you found that those lines of dialogue have made it all the way to production?
2: Almost always. I think if they're, if
0: they're,
3: yeah, if they're good enough for us to do, you know, in a pitch, usually they're ones that we believe in strongly enough that they end up on the, on the screen.
0: I wonder if um, sort of performing the pitch in that way helps convey tone, too. It feels like tone might have been a difficult thing to pitch on this show. Can you talk a little about that?
3: Well, one thing we did in the pitch was when we were first talking about the show and introducing the show to buyers, we talked about what it was from sort of... Um, a you know three hundred sixty foot view or whatever, and then we talked about the tone because the tone is really important and was something that we hadn't seen a ton of, you know of course, there are shows that have darkness and comedy that you know is more grounded, but we really wanted to make sure we were very clear about what the tone was because it, it informed so much then of what the rest of the pitch would be and and, and sort of how they we're hearing the backstory, let's say, or the dialogue that we did. But yeah, I think the dialogue also gives a specificity to the kind of um, characters we were trying to bring to life.
0: How, how would you pitch tone? What does that conversation sound like?
2: I think that we would like uh, talk about things like Las Vegas has this beauty to it and this glamor and this, um fun and it also has, you know, like a kind of darker underbelly and kind of has, you know, it's about like working people trying to just grind and make it. And our show similarly has the light and dark. Like we want to be able to show both things because you can't have one without the other. Things like that, I think, were kind of the way that we tried to convey um our tone. And, and yeah, we would just say, you know, it has dramatic moments, but it is never melodramatic and it has hard comedy, especially because our comedians, but we never want it to feel too too sketchy. So I think we just kind of, yeah, we we the tone in terms of when we originally pitched it really, I think, has stayed pretty honest yeah. throughout.
1: And I think it also, I'll just add, like, probably in any part of the pitch, you're pitching a few episode ideas. And for example, like one episode we pitched was that deborah's daughter you know secretly takes photos of her and then sells them and then at the end of the episode we realize that deborah actually knows and she says it makes her feel self-sufficient and that's kind of like a pretty emotional moment and i think in the pitch you kind of hear like oh okay so it's going to be like real and grounded like what she was saying with like emotion um so i think story can also signal that for someone hearing a pitch
0: yeah, for sure, and I I think that probably does some work in conveying these characters too, right? They didn't have a script. Your your buyers, potential buyers, didn't have a script to read, um, and in describing these characters, I don't know. I was really struck in this rewatch um, by Ava and how like that so easily could have been a cliched sort of Gen Z uh, character, mm-hmm. but there's so much going on with her. How do you talk about those characters to give, to sort of hone in on the right um, level of nuance?
3: I think that was another example where we gave a lot of backstory for her and talked about how, you know, she was kind of isolated and wasn't really a cool kid in high school. And um, in fact, like when she figured out her birth control, she actually (laughs) lost some weight. And then in college, she started doing, you know, comedy really to connect with people. Um, and to find like-minded people. And then getting a job when she was young kind of gave her this confidence that she almost bought into um, too quickly. And she kind of drank the juice and became a little bit uh, focused on sort of that cool kid thing. So again, I don't really need to give you her whole backstory because if you've seen the show, hopefully (laughs) you picked up on some of that stuff. But I think in, in talking about her backstory and how she became who she is, we were then able to really paint a picture of the kind of comedian and comedic writer that she was,
0: yeah, it makes sense and and I assume you know the same for Deborah, right, you're filling in that backstory um, I, you know, I assume there's a lot of like she's like this comedian and this comedian and this comedian you know, and these aspects of that story um. Th- the other question I had, sort of in this area, and this probably goes back to when you're putting the pitch together and breaking what that first season and subsequent seasons would be, is like knowing how much story to tell. Uh, you know, like you theoretically know how many episodes you're you're getting into, or at least how many you're pitching, but you have this grand story to tell. Um, how do you know? How did you all start to talk about? what belongs in the pilot and what belongs in the first season and what you can hold off on. And, and were there wrong roads that you went down in those conversations?
2: I think in terms of the pilot, we, we felt quite strongly that the end of it would be their meeting and, and that kind of like seven page scene of, of them having this interview that goes badly yet. Also there's something, there's something there that is a little undeniable. And, and, you know, the, the, following her down the street and almost running her over and then pitching on a joke and her end up hiring her was always in our minds. I think the ending, because I think, uh, to us that, uh, you know, sets you on a path to like, this is happening. So it was the most exciting way to end it. But I think, uh, in terms of getting us there, we really wanted to like, I think we keep reiterating, give you as much backstory about these women as possible and kind of setting up their worlds and their dynamics and just where they're at so that when they do finally meet on this collision course, you kind of already are anticipating an intense exchange because you know their points of view are so different and they're both kind of angry and they're ready to take it out on somebody. So in terms of a pilot, I think we felt pretty confident that that was going to be the structure from an early point. I think it was mostly honestly about how much back? How how do you actually in, um, introduce each character, and how much backstory is required to get you to the point where you understand where they're at? And I think it was mostly. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but the beginning parts that were the things that needed to be um, evolved or that you know we worked on the most.
3: Yeah, I think the one um, adjustment we made was initially we talked about having. There's a scene in the pilot where Ava pulls her car over because she mm-hmm. sees a showrunner. Mm-hmm and runs into basically a cafe and interrupts her lunch with her mother to say, hey, I heard you have this show getting a second season. I would love to work there. And initially, we had that character say, essentially get to the point of saying, when Ava says, oh, everyone's punishing me for this one stupid joke I made, this one mistake, she says, well, it's not actually about that one mistake. You were kind of an asshole before the mistake, but we actually ended up Mm -hmm. commuting that to episode five And we have a character in episode five when, again, Ava runs into some friends from back home in L.A. Um, We have that person say, actually, you were an asshole before the tweet. It was kind of because you were, you know, so focused on the industry and networking and all that stuff, always looking over people's shoulder at a party. That's the reason no one really ran to your defense, because really, who cares about that stupid tweet? Um, So that was something that initially we wanted to put in the pilot. But then we thought, you know, we can save that and make that a little bit clearer and dole out that information more slowly because it just, it gives us a little bit more interest, I think, and a little bit more of a reveal for the character. And, um, you know, we wanted this character to be someone who had a place to go. She needed to grow and to learn something, but we didn't want it to be too um and really lay it out so baldly in the pilot because it feels a little less, I think, elegant to us. <laughs>
0: is there you know without throwing hbo max under the bus but like (laughs) that feels like often in development you're asked to front load so much information Um, and i wonder if that was part of the conversation during the development process
1: um, not, not really like, to be honest, and I know this isn't always usual, but like our, our development with HBO max was like really wonderful. They were so supportive of the vision, like truly from the the moment we pitched it, uh, all throughout the writing and making of it. So to their credit, they really were not, um, prescriptive in terms of creative stuff like that and and didn't give them nor universal the studio on a gate like no one ever gave notes that felt like your your classic studio network notes that are just things that you're like oh god you're just saying that because you've learned in executive school or whatever to say that like they were really just smart and got the show and got our vision and so um yeah we we luckily never never had to deal with that
2: and it's also, I don't know, of note, maybe, maybe it's not of note, but HBO max wasn't HBO max. When we pitched there, they weren't, they were just a uh, figment of the, somebody's imagination at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, it was a, yeah, it was just HBO's new streamer. And so we were kind of, you know, when we did decide to go with them was it was a little bit of a, you know, like, okay, we didn't know, we didn't know what other shows they were going to have or anything like that, but uh, it, you know, seemed to be the right home based on their excitement level.
0: That's great. Um, and and likewise, I mean, I guess it's it's always a question of translation, right? Like pitching is how do I help these people to understand the vision that we have for the show? And clearly the three of you are so much on the same page. Then you hire a staff uh, who you hope is on the same page. Um, but you also had the added challenge of not having an in-person writer's room. Uh, you had this weird translation through technology as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about, let's, let's talk first about like putting together that staff and what you read and who you brought on. What did you respond to in, um, getting sent scripts?
2: Because the room was going to be over Zoom and it's a first season of a room. Um, I would say mostly everybody we had, uh, we brought on was somebody we had worked with before because we kind of felt like there was something about people who we had already worked with that we felt, you know, comfortable with that. Just, I think if we were just like, oh, it's just a regular room, we would maybe have brought on people we'd never worked with before, but, uh, maybe one person we hadn't, maybe
1: two, I think our two lowest level we had never worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, Zoom made it really challenging. And like, we also are in the unique position where there's three showrunners. So there's already like, when you come to the room, you already have three people. Like in some rooms are just like six people. So that could be half the room already. So we do tend to have kind of a smaller writing staff because uh, of that. Um, But yeah, in terms of what we read and and look for, I think we just really responded to people, scripts that like, felt fresh and new to us and like made us laugh in a very like specific new way. Um, Yeah. I don't know. What else do you got? What else from the reading process? I think that's right. And
2: I think we weren't necessarily like, oh, this is the tone that is our show. We were just like, here's a really cool, interesting tone. And then we would decide whether we could adapt.
1: Yeah. we, We hired people, like we hired some people who had super, like almost drama scripts. And then we hired some people who had like super hard joke comedy scripts. It wasn't really about this, like, oh, it needs to feel like hacks. It just needed to feel like a fresh, interesting voice that was like, made had something in it that like we sparked too
3: yeah and and like like jen and lucia said because it was on zoom it also even even though yes we there were three showrunners so already the room was populated by three people it also is harder i think to have um a typical or larger writing staff because you know how zoom is it's like oh you, you go ahead i mean we've, we've seen it we've seen it on here and maybe it's edited out but um i think that was also a factor but you know, it was also really important to us because the show is um, while it's a character study of this woman, it is an ensemble show and about her ecosystem and her world. It was really important to us to have um, a really diverse room that um, you know represented a lot of different voices and points of view that we don't have. Um, and we were really lucky that we had such great people to bring so many different life experiences and points of view to the show.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Um, you know, i guess the the broader the sort of umbrella question is like what what were you looking to fill like what did the three of you think like we can't reasonably write this honestly, so we need we need some writers in here to help us with this aspect of it, whether it is you know being the the gay black man or whether it's like I'm not a drama writer, I need someone to fill that hole.
2: I think it was more um experiences. And points of view than, than necessarily tone. Um, so, yeah, we were, we made sure that we had um, black writers in the room and we had gay writers in the room and queer race people. And we had, you know, that, that was definitely, I think for us, the thing that, you know, we could never even adapt our, I mean, you know, we can, we can never have had that, those experiences. So for us, that was, um, I think the thing that we were like, we want just different perspectives, honestly, life perspectives.
3: Another thing that was important to us in terms of um, having those diverse perspectives was having someone who was closer in age to Deborah, and so we had a writer, Janice Hirsch, who was a consulting producer and was in the room with us for a few weeks before we actually started um, because she you know was someone who's been writing for a, i mean she's written for Murphy Brown and so many so many iconic comedies um, but obviously, you know we're not in our sixties, so it was really important to us to have. You know, sort of the experience of a woman who came up, especially in comedy, yeah. um, at the same time that Deborah did.
0: That's great. I mean, do you do, do you then fall into the trap of like uh, those British sitcom writers who want to mine Ava's experience for their <laughs> <for a> show?
1: <laughs> you don't answer that. I mean, if someone, you know, if you're in a room and someone is says, "Oh, the, this reminds," Reminds me of my experience with this, and then you know you kind of adapt it for the show. But yeah, hopefully you're never uh, just dictating what their what uh-huh. their experience is, or, and or they're fact, dictating. A and lot of times, it.
3: yeah, a lot of times we I feel like also sometimes we're we're scared away from things that are too autobiographical to someone, and we're like, well, what is our version of that? What is the hacks version of that? Um, you know, even if it is a writer who shared something that they really think like this is great for the show, use it. We still want to make it true to the show and also, I don't know, sometimes we just are like, well, let's make it different than that.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that is something that is frequently misunderstood um, about both the personal experiences that writers share and even, you know, for, these, for new writers writing a sample script, you know, we, we are told to write from experience, but it's filtered through this fiction, right? It becomes mm-hmm. yes. metaphor.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very rare. You can just take a story and directly translate it to the screen without putting it through the filter of what your show is. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, moms get mad. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit more about the writer's room and, you know, uh, let, let, let's talk for a sec about populating Deborah's world, Um you know, you all do something in the show, which I absolutely love. And my, my writing partner and I talk about it as like creating every character so that they could spin off into their own show, right? They have fully formed lives. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. And again, knowing, you know, you're writing characters that don't have your particular experiences and, and putting together that supporting cast.
3: Yeah. I think one of the things that was really important to us was, and, and, you know, this goes back to the, tone question you had before. In making a show that we wanted to feel really grounded and real, we also didn't want to have anybody be, um, you know, just a support character that was in service of our lead. We really wanted to explore their lives and their personal lives on their own. And we hope to do that even more in season two, because obviously with a half hour comedy, you only have so much real estate. But, you know, as an example, we really wanted to see Marcus um, with his mother and explore his personal life and see what happens when he's not, you know, just in the presence of Deborah Vance. Because I do think sometimes that is something that you'll see in an ensemble, that you'll only get a character when your, you know, lead character is in the room with them. So yeah, that was something that, and and especially in Las Vegas, there's such a, it's such a diverse city and it's such a vibrant city that we were like, oh, we definitely love the idea of someone like Kiki, who's played brilliantly by Poppy Lou, you know. Debra's blackjack dealer, because there are characters in Vegas who love Vegas. And we really wanted to see people like that. Um, there's no real end to this thought. It just rambles out. Well, I think so it just it, the you know, other burns thing out. I yeah.
2: would add is just like, like Paul said earlier, it is Deborah's ecosystem. And so adding Ava to that ecosystem throws the ecosystem off. Right. And so that was also part of our math, if you want to call it, uh, as to like, who are the people in her world? Who is part of the status quo, who's supporting the status quo. And then how does Ava's entrance into this world affect that? And that especially, of course, is true with Marcus, but, but I think for everybody there, I think it's true also for DJ. And hopefully that's something we, we explore even more, just the idea that her mom is now friends with somebody who is well, according to DJ kind of the same age <laughs> or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I, think for us, there was, there's a lot at play in terms of, of supporting the supporting world because you know, they do support her. And so uh, it gave us a lot to think about um, in terms of like, who are these people with Deborah and who are they without Deborah, And then how does Mm -hmm. Ava's entrance into that world kind of pinball? Is that the word kind of? I don't know, pinball everyone around. It's like when you're playing pinball and something hits something. (laughs) They're they're bopping
1: around.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, they're bopping around. it, It sort of suggests another plotting question to me, which is like finding the real estate to establish the status quo. Before you bring Ava in, and I think you all did a really good job of, of doling out the individual characters' status quo's, and then showing how Ava affects that. But again, you know, how do you know where things go? Like, what are the conversations <laughs> with, with, like, how, what are the conversations with each other with the writers' room look like?
2: Well, I think that's yeah, introducing introducing <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. do see the other characters, but you're not really establishing them in a major, major way. It's really in episode two that you really start to build the world out. So if you watch episode two, you really can see that like the beginning is, you know, you're establishing Kiki and who she is and a little bit more of Marcus and then, then the story of, of, you know, and then also of course, Marty and all that. And then you start to kind of see, then have the story of the pepper shaker and all that happen, But, so episode two is the one that I look at and I say, well, here's a lot of world building as well as a story. And that is why it's kind of long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's, a, it's what you have to do or what we try to do is like every, because like Paul said, it's a half hour and there's only so much real estate. Every moment when you do have those side characters like, don't just have them be there in service of a joke for your main characters. Like, re- like, you use those moments and hopefully they're funny, but hopefully they're also revealing. Like, in the pilot when DJ bursts in and it's because they need to check her bag before she leaves, like, that tells you so much about this character, right? It tells you that she is, obviously, has some sort of drug issue and that is she's stuck in, like, this Arrested Development thing. And, you know, when, her, when she leans down to kiss her mom, this was like a brilliant idea from Lucia on the day as she was directing. Like she told uh, Caitlin Olsen to like kind of look over to Ava to be a little bit embarrassed that she wants that approval from mommy, but she does. She wants Deborah's approval desperately. And also in the pilot, when when Josefina is offering Ava all that uh, the water, which is such a funny moment that Rose Abdu does so beautifully, that also tells you so much about Josefina, it tells you that she is so on top of managing this household, that she has this list down and she she knows everything about this house. So I think it's also it's such a challenge, but I I think it makes the world so much richer when you go, oh, we only have so much time for these side characters. Let's try to make every moment with them like matter and show something about them, not just show something about your main characters.
3: Yeah, that's, that's so true. I think, like Jen is saying, you really you need to try and be as economical as you can and to tell as much as you can, not only with dialogue, but with action. <clears throat> and the other thing that I think we tried to do, which we found really rewarding, was you know, in the end of the, the series, or, or the season rather, Ava gets this opportunity to get a job in LA with some really cool writers that she'd be you know, very excited to work with. That could have been something that came from Jimmy. But we decided to give that plot move to his assistant, Kayla, Um, again, who could have just been a really funny comedy character. But in doing that, Kayla becomes really entwined in a big plot moment of the show. And it's something that actually we're going to continue to explore in season two. So I think that's another thing that we tried to do as much as we could, which was give larger story moves to the ensemble supporting cast, because not only you know does it tell you more about them, but it just incorporates them into the fabric of the story even more holistically.
0: I think that's great. and it's it's almost like a an egoless sort of writing, right? is we don't have to like our stars are getting great stuff. Let's give everybody great stuff. Yeah. Um, which I mean that's that's what it should be. It makes it so there's no there's no like every scene is a load-bearing scene, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as an actor, I think one of the things that I I have started to think about more and more as we make this show is if you can write every scene in a way that every actor is excited to do that scene, it's so it's such a good target because it's like, yeah, even if even if it's not, you know, Jean Smart giving an incredible monologue, which she does, honestly, in every single episode, you, you know, you get to give these more ensemble characters things that they're like i'm so excited to come to work and do that thing that's so fun that's so juicy oh i get to you know affect the plot in a really major way and i think that's been a really nice sort of north star for us
0: i wanted to ask uh lucia about um, you know, knowing that you are going to direct multiple episodes, does that change the writing process for the three of you?
2: I, I think that uh, I do my best to kind of have one hat uh, to to not think about it too much. Every once in a while, I'll have a thought about something, but generally I, I try not to be too... Um, I try not to like dictate the writing based on execution or, or anything, um, every once in a while. And I, we all, you know, pitch things based on, you know, what will be the, the visual joke or whether it's a winner or, you know, we do try to, I think, think we all try to write visually if, if we can. Um, but I don't, I try not to, uh, have any different, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? You tell me. And also Paul directed, Paul directed some I was gonna say, as well. So I- what do you guys think?
3: Well, yeah, I would say because, um, because Lucia and I both direct, this is really a compliment to Jen. I think the three of us, Jen included, really do try and write in a cinematic way and really picture what it's going to be. Um, and so we're writing in a way that I feel like um, feels almost, you know, it, it is very visual. But that said, there will be certain times, and I'm a less experienced director than Lucia, Lucia will say, you know, we could, we could tweak this thing so that this reveal is funny in this way because it's actually hard to make that reveal work in that way, you know? So sometimes she'll put on the director hat, I think to to adjust things, but I do feel like the three of us, right in a way where we're watching the show, we've been we've been fantasizing about the show and imagining the show and wanting to watch this show for so long that I think, you know, it does, it all kind of bleeds together a little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Let me ask about that sort of, you know, five-ish years of fantasizing about the show and writing the fanfic of the show in your heads for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, it's about, like, what goes into that first episode, that first season. Was there there stuff that got away? Was there stuff that fell away as you started to hone the pitch for the show?
1: I mean, there's certainly, like, I think we talked about earlier, like, in the pitch... And in our notes, which I don't even know if we like, we have this incredibly long backstory for Deborah Vance. So there's certainly things in that backstory that haven't been shown to the audience yet. And, and hopefully we will in the future, if they make sense to come into play in a story, but perhaps not like, you know, some of that is just backstory that is uh, for, for us to know and, and, and that's it. And so in terms of like, stuff that fell away like there's definitely story like episode ideas certainly that we have that we're like oh that doesn't that doesn't fit in season one and we you know maybe we'll do them one day in season two and through 45 uh but (laughs) you know yeah in in anything like this as you're developing it over five six years you just amass like an incredible amount of ideas and episode ideas and jokes and but there's nothing too major that we came up with that then it was like oh we need to abort and not do this I, right like I don't, no, I I don't think, think of so. anything else
3: no there's there's one story that we've been talking about and I think we talked about or we had in our back pocket for the pitch we actually didn't pitch it but there was one episode story where we were like oh that's more season two and now as we're breaking season two we're like you know what I think that's a season three story yes so there is one story that one or two stories right. that you know we have the kernels of that we feel like are more suited for sort of down the line.
0: Yeah. Along the same lines, is there, you know, having lived with it for so long, is there still room for discovery?
2: Definitely. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, the ending of this second season was something that is newer to us.
0: (laughs) Do you want to tell us what it is exactly?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we <laughs> need to see
1: if people are gonna like it. So yeah, exactly. you have focus yeah. I, we haven't talked yeah. about that,
2: but we crowdsource actually everything. So um, every every act out, everything. Yeah, we like to crowdsource everything. So. Yeah, we do an
1: Instagram stories poll, and we just yeah, think <laughs> it's the only one. Um, um, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: one thing yeah, I'll problem. say though that because this isn't a spoiler. That is like a, a discovery. Is and I, I don't want to miscredit. So let's fact check me, ladies. I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be crediting specific writers. But I believe it was katherine Kearns, a writer in our room, was like the one who said, "Let's see Marcus's mom. Let's meet his mom." We, I, you know, and we started to explore that and talk about that. And then we got Angela Gibbs to play Marcus's mom, and she does so so well and is so funny. Um, and so that's someone that we want to explore more. And I think making the show and watching the two of them interact is something that we really, um, you know, that was a discovery for us that oh, that's a world that we want to continue to go down the path of so that's
1: yeah yeah I think we always knew like oh well and we'll show Marcus's world and explore his life but I don't I think we maybe were thinking more like his friends or but this was such an interesting uh way to do it and also obviously you know moms like it's a motherhood and, and daughters and moms is such a big theme in the show. Uh, so it, it was an interesting way to do it. And yeah, then we got on set and it was, you know, Angela Gibbs is so, so wonderful that it just, you go, okay, we're writing of that more and more. That happens all the time for us that we're so lucky with wonderful cast who come to be on the show. And then we just go, yeah, we got to write more for them for sure.
0: Yeah. Which is an amazing feeling, right? You're, you're getting someone to inhabit this role. Um, I want to ask, um a couple things that have been on my mind they' they're the annoying executive questions that I feel like I'm getting in a lot of pitches lately and one of them is what is this show about? uh what did you set out wanting to write about?
2: I think in the end, we just really wanted to make something that we call the redemption story for for two women who've been kind of cast aside um, for being somewhat difficult women and um. Yeah, that was kind of, I think, if you boil it down, like what the show, what our intention was.
3: Yeah, we I think we wanted to do a lot of things and investigate a lot of things. I mean, Jen just mentioned motherhood and what it means to be a mother, especially a, a working mother. Um, but, yeah, we, we really did talk, I think, about that larger question, what this show is actually about in the pitch and early on in the pitch that we wanted to make a show about, you know, women who had been cast aside and about. Um, women in comedy in particular, and, and also the arts in general, who didn't get the, the due that um, you know, their male counterparts did. And we talked about women who sometimes you read their obituary and you learn so much about these incredible artists who weren't household names, and there's no reason that they shouldn't have been. Um, and then you think about the countless women whose names are never even in the paper in that way, because they weren't encouraged to do their creative dream. So it was really sort of about all of those things for us. Why these yeah. women tell these jokes. Um, is
0: it getting better? Is, is it getting better to be
3: a woman in comedy? I'll answer that. Um, <laughs> there, I was asking Paul. <laughs> Just kidding, girls.
2: Just kidding. I mean, we can only hope so, but it's like, I think a little hard for us to, to be able to take in the industry at large and assess but I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hope so. But I think you know, everyone. On, it's still one of those things. Like like Lucie is saying, we can't answer across the board because not everyone's experience is universal. Like we we all still to this day hear like really shitty stories about women in rooms that are not as uh, you know welcoming to them and and experiences they have. So. I think it it is getting better, thank God, but it's not you know not I don't know enough. that we, not good enough. yeah, I don't know that we ever like go okay, done, cross the finish line on that. Don't have to worry about it because you know there's there's a lot of uh, old dinosaurs in this stupid industry with <laughs> <laughs> who have I don't know archaic ways of thinking. and so it is getting better, but there's always room to go up. Absolutely.
0: Um, this is the, this is the annoying executive question uh, that is on my mind uh, because it was asked to me recently and it made me so mad. Not a, <laughs> this is not a reason to pass on my project, but
1: I can't wait. Who
0: is, who is the audience for this show? Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's yeah, such
1: a yeah. weird
3: question. I mean, to me, and, and we were not asked mm. that specifically to me. I think it's hard because you want a show to appeal to as many people as possible. You want people to have entry points and be able to access it and feel seen by it um, and represented by it. And yet for me, I'm like the audience that it's for, I I hope as a writer, I'm hoping you're writing something that you want to watch because that's going to be the best show, something that's like for you, you know, and specifically for you. But I do think if your show or if whatever it is you're writing has other entry points and can invite other people in, that's also important, you know, because I don't think when we wrote this, we were ever like, Oh, this is for, um, you know, Gen Z people, you know, because we're going to have a lot of Gen Z (laughs) jokes with Ava or or, nor did we think like, Oh, this is a show for women of Deborah's age. And yet we are so impressed by how many people have said, Oh, I love the show. And my mom loves the show. We're, We're really like, kind of moved by the fact that people have been watching with their parents or have something to talk about with their moms who really respond to it. But that's not something that we actually really thought about. And I just rambled a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think as a writer, you really should be thinking of that because like Paul said, like the thing we kept saying over six years was like, we just want to watch this show. We, we need to make this show because we want to watch it and no one else is going to make it, I guess. And so we'll make it. And, and it's interesting. Like I understand why an executive would ask that, but it's almost like they're asking you to do their job for them because yeah. it's more like you should pitch an idea. And if they feel they love the idea and they get it and it's like, they're, cause they have to go to their boss, right. And say, here's who I think would watch this. So it's a little bit like, you know, I don't think as a writer, it's really, you, you shouldn't be like thinking of who's the audience, who's going to tune into this because it, it's just you don't know you just don't know you just have to love it of so course. the answer
2: to your question is, is who's this show for it's for paul jen lucia <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> sometimes that's all it takes that's who that's <laughs> how i'm writing yeah. all my shows for that's um, why you have
2: three showrunners
1: because it's more viewers absolutely yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. we all have nails um, in boxes Thank you all so much for chatting today. Uh, Hacks is great. Hacks is on HBO Max. You can watch it. Do do we know when season two is out yet? Has that been announced?
2: It has not been announced.
0: Okay, Sometime, someday. Um, uh, Vote for them for all the Emmys. They deserve it. Um, We'll end by asking what we always end by asking, which is what you were watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with each other when you get on a Zoom and like hang out for five minutes before getting to work? Uh, And Paul, let's start with you.
3: (laughs) You know what? Yeah, five
2: minutes, that's all.
3: (laughs) 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 Um, So the thing that we, that I've honestly talked a lot about because I loved it so much and I watched um, recently was I Hate Susie. Um, We really love that show. Um, And you know what, Lucia and I started watching because we never had, seen it, is we started watching Six Feet Under, um, because that was something that, that we, I don't know, it somehow missed us, and a lot of our friends and a lot of people we know love, love, love that show, so we've been watching that. That'll, that'll be my answer, because we just watched that two nights ago, so that's truly the most, <laughs> the most recent number. That's numbers. a good answer.
0: Yeah. Um, do you, Lucia, do you watch TV without each other? Do you watch things individually?
2: Not that often. All Sometimes... Right. Sometimes he'll watch things that are like super dark and dramatic that I'm not as necessarily interested in. Like, I'm not going to like name check things, but anything that's he's, you know, he'll like watch things about like a more murdery or something. Right, Paul?
3: Yeah. Yes. Well, I will say we're also and watching I, White Lotus and the Chi even got stressed at last night's episode. Um, yes. There's a moment that, that really stressed the Chi out, which ended up not being violent or anything but you know i I know but it was more
2: about the anxiety of it i like great british baking show that's what i'm watching (laughs) i'm watching the best i'm watching yeah i'm watching call my agent that's fun i'm in second season of that um but you know in terms of this show we like talk about better call saul a lot we talk about succession a lot um we all love sex education those are just things that we all like
0: yeah those are and those (laughs) are great touchstones too uh jen what are you watching these days
2: uh, you know, I don't,
1: I've been trying to watch more animation and I recently started watching Harley Quinn, which is an the animated show on HBO max. Uh, and I've really been enjoying that, which is uh, completely out of the box for me. Cause I'm not really like a comic book person or really that much an animation person, but I'm really liking it.
0: Why seek out more animation?
1: Uh, truth be told because I'm uh, developing an animated project uh, <laughs> is, is is the answer uh, but but also I do think like like, Maybe it's also just because like all those shows we all just mentioned, like Sex Sex Education, Succession, Better Call Saul. I'm just like waiting for those shows to come back (laughs) (laughs) because I I love them so, so much and they're just not out yet. So I think I'm kind of like, all right, what else? And, you know, like animation is such like a, there are so many shows that are like touchstones for comedy writers. Like I, yeah. I used to always get made fun of because I've only ever, I'm a comedy writer has only ever seen one episode of the Simpsons. Uh, and, and so I'm just trying to like, get into that a little bit more.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Um, thank you all again, uh, for chatting. Uh, good luck with all the Emmy stuff. Good luck with season two. We can't wait to see what y'all do.
2: Thanks Thanks, thanks, so much. Thank you. thanks for having yeah,
0: us. Thanks for your time. Forever. <laughs> Dog.